Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Well, thanks for asking. Um, but um, but I, I did a men's breakfast yesterday morning, and I didn't get quite as quite as grand a um, uh, introduction as that. But I have spoken there three three or four other times, and we've had a laugh at these men's breakfasts because you can talk about stuff in a men's breakfast that you don't talk about in polite circumstances like in church. And uh, I thought it was going to be fun, and they thought it was going to be fun. And I opened my book, and uh, it wasn't much fun. It was uh, so. I, I hope we have a bit of a laugh uh, this morning. But if yesterday morning is anything to go by, you can take your seatbelt off and just get some buckets and some tissues and uh, prepare to feel bad about yourself. Uh, no, it, w- it wasn't. It wasn't so much like that. But it, it was a kind of a stern word that came out of me, rather than a rather than an entertaining word. And I'm much. I much prefer, like, I, I crave your favor. You see, I am an, in, an inadequate individual, so I want to say nice, funny things. Because um, uh, I'm Welsh, you know, we, we are subject to the English, so we're always trying to aspire to be, um, to be, uh, to be liked. And uh, I wasn't liked yesterday morning. Nevertheless, I spoke, the, I did speak the truth. Um, Peter, I, I've forgotten that Peter played, uh, is he still here, played, uh, played bass? And um, that's great, the double finger to the way it's supposed to be done. That's great. You notice he wasn't smiling at all? Uh, that's because he's got four or five um, golf carts that he's trying to sell. <laughs> but for some reason, nobody wants to buy them. Um, uh, so I understand. I, I, I sympathize with your, your, your sadness there, Peter. Uh, the, um, uh, the, uh, the apples? Matt, no, 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 thanks, Matt. Um, Although I, I do wish Greg had said, welcome, Matt. <laughs> you know, because then you can just go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Hilarious. But that, uh, next time you do that, you could call it the um, Apple Pie R Squared presentation. See, so it's got the apple and the mats, and, uh, and it'll make you sound even more intelligent than you sounded this morning. And... Uh, and that verse you chose, that love never fails, uh, uh, I couldn't, everything, when, when you read that part of Corinthians, doesn't everything in, in, in your being go, oh, yes. You, you just, you, your spirit says amen to it, and I, I love that. There's a reason why it's read at so many weddings. That is the kind of love we aspire to be giving out in, in all of our relationships. Um, but I should put a full stop there, but, but you're not supposed to start a new sentence with the word but. Um, it troubled me in, in my Christian life. Uh, I'm, I'm way older than you now, Matt. Um, uh, actually, I'm, I'm wearing clothes that are older than you right now, Matt. <laughs> well, that's, that's another issue. Uh, uh, <laughs> I just realized what article of clothing it is. <laughs> that's why I'm laughing. Um, <laughs> it's an ephod. Um, a linen, a linen ephod. Um, <laughs> um, love never fails. And I just want to underline that a little bit because I wish somebody had underlined it a bit for me when I was about 15 or 16. I thought that that meant 
that God's love would remedy all situations. Because it does sound like that. It does sound like that. And I, 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 can, I can tell already the couple of people, well, it can't. Well, it can. But the, 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 the overarching truth is that love never fails. But it's not God's will that any man should perish. The Bible says that, doesn't it? It's God's will that his son's death would be a redemptive act for every one of God's creation. But the Bible says that, there, that um, there's a narrow road that leads to life and a broad road that leads to destruction. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that means that more people um, ignore God than choose him. What am I trying to say here? Love never fails, but sometimes people fail to respond to love. That, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. And I'm, I'm glad I now know that because I was very confused before I knew that. I, I was thinking, but, but God's love is being poured into this situation. Godly principles are being poured into this situation. Everything good and godly and right and appropriate is being poured into this situation. God, where are you? Why is, that, why is this not remedying the situation? And it's not remedying the situation because not, sometimes people fail to respond to God's love. And it's worth knowing that. Nevertheless, it is always a victory. It is always a win. It is always the right way to, to, to give love, to be loving, to have God's love coming into you and out of you. That, that, it never fails to be the best place to be and the best thing to do. But if you set up a results-driven situation through God's, through God's love, you will be disappointed in just the same way that God must be disappointed when people fail to respond to, to his son. Does that, does that make sense? That's just a, like a point of theology that uh, I thought was worth sharing. But see, I'm doing it again. We're not laughing now, are we? We're not having fun. That, that was kind of, ooh, this is, a bit, this, is a bit, this is a bit meaty. I tell you what was meaty. The, 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 some of the fills this drummer was doing in, in the I Will Rise Part. I was watching him, and his mouth was mouthing the, the melody. Because it's the thing with drummers, from here up, they can follow what's going on. But from here down, it's just, it, 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 it's all the bets are off. You never know what's going what's gonna to happen. It's like a Christian drumming Tourette sort of thing. And, but it was, it was fabulous. It was just going thunk, thunk, thunk for me. And so uh, I conclude that uh, uh, getting engaged suits that bloke uh, very, very, very much. That was, that was, that was, that was great. Um, Good. Uh, I've been in really, I don't want to avoid cliches, but it, it was a blessing just coming here this morning. Uh, so many things have been a treat to me. The, uh, the welcome, the smiling faces, the little kids down here made me laugh so much. Um, uh, and, and now I'm up here to preach, and I feel like we were all full. Well, that, was a, that was a great meal already. We've had a so, I don't know, is there something we can do just to hurry time along? Let's, uh, let's try and, I was going to say carry up meals, conjure up some, some appetite again, some sort of, uh, and I'll try and say something that, um, that, that separates, you know, between God's word, gets in close, gets in accurate, gets in, um, so hopefully I can reciprocate the blessing. Uh, but I can only give what I've got. That's, that's a new thing I've just relearned. Uh, unless you have an assurance in God, it's very hard to pass an assurance in God 
or to somebody else. You're trying to give somebody something that you don't have. Forget it. Uh, you, you just can't do it. You know, if you didn't have any apples then, Robin, you couldn't have given anybody any apples. Because maths is pure. Maths is, maths is really, there's, there's a, oh, you could preach on maths for the rest of your life. Um, uh, so, um, let me just tell you, uh, from the book of Numbers, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you get to the five fish and the two loaves. No, two, two fish and the five loaves. So that, you need a calculator for that one. That's... Uh, that's a bit complicated. How many people were there? 7,000 divided by 5 uh, over 2. Yeah, get it. Uh, welcome, Matt. Um, <laughs> so, um, two weeks ago, my, I say my, I know she's our, but my daughter uh, ran away from home. Uh, she's 16 and a half, and um, she's 16 and a half with a vengeance. Uh, and only people with children will really understand, or maybe some 17-year-olds will understand what I'm talking about. And she ran away from home. And after church today, uh, I'm, I'm going to pick her up. She's up, up, up with her brother, uh, our oldest son, Tommy, at Old Bar, um, which is a nice place. I don't know where New Bar is, or just Bar. There must be a place called Bar somewhere. You know, there's a place called York, and there's New York. Um, somebody lived in a place called Bar full of alcoholics apparently um, uh, or sheep <laughs> New Zealand yes <laughs> I come from bar. Uh, um, uh, so uh, I, I, you, you can only give people what you've got and one of the benefits of choosing preachers oh gee is a dangerous thing to say. Um, I think the kind of honesty and authenticity that ought to be enjoyed in, in any church it must be of a high standard. And if you've got somebody at the front and all they ever talk about is the problems they used to have and the victory they're now in, um, there's, there's something missing. So when Greg gets up, and, and leads us in that prayer, and we confess, God, we, uh, uh, money, relationships, health. God, what's going on? Please help. It's a, that's, a, that's a healthy sign that, that we have an authentic um, uh, encounter going on here in church. Uh, I know it drew me in. You know, he said, put your hand up if you're this, and put your hand up if you're that, and put your hand up if you're something else. I wish I'd had three hands at that, at that point, of, you know, uh, um, it's a maths problem, you know. <laughs> he gave me three opportunities to put my hand up. I've only got the two hands. Could you get back to me on that? Um, uh, so I, I will give you a bit more information about Rosie, uh, our daughter, running away at the end. But first of all, I'd like to talk about um, some stuff that the wisest, a very wise man called Solomon. Uh, Solomon mo wrote most of the book of Proverbs. Solomon, as you, you all probably know, was was uh, David, King David's son. And when he was left with the, the task of governing all the Israelites, um, too, numerous to, 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 too numerous to number. There's another mathematical problem for you. You're writing these down, aren't you? Because you won't remember them. <laughs> Write them down. Too numerous to number, like grains of sand. Work it out. There's a, um, 
Uh, he asked God for wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, not riches, God gave him both wisdom and riches, but also said, um, I will give you the, the kind of wisdom that nobody's, nobody's ever seen before and the kind of wisdom that no one will see again. And um, so when he writes wise stuff, it's worth really looking at the wise stuff uh, because he's, he's blooming clever, matey, to quote uh, Rick from the young ones. He's blooming clever, matey. Um, so Proverbs 18, uh, we'll do the theology first and the testimony second. Uh, we all doing all right? Good, good. Um, verse 1. Open your Bible, Vince. It will help. Hard to read through the cover, even if you do have your sexy yellow-tinted glasses on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they told me that if I get them yellow-tinted, you need less light to read off the page, and I've already got the biggest Bible with the biggest print. Um, uh, but then as I walked out, having paid extra for the yellow, I thought... Why aren't all windows made out of yellow tinting then so we could save on electricity or something? So in, in, anyway, that's definitely a, di- a digression. Uh, 18 verse 1. Whoa, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> could we have a bigger font, please? <laughs> We're going to baptize some very big infants. We need a bigger font. <laughs> Anglican humor. Yeah. <laughs> Anglican humor is a very, very rare commodity, I'm telling you. (laughs) Very rare, like Baptist humor. (laughs) You know, how many Baptists does it take to change a a light bulb? Change? (laughs) Okay, you you know. I I became Christian in the Baptist church, so I can make make fun of myself. And how many sound engineers does it take to change a light bulb? One, two. One, two, 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 one, two. I'm just trying to get some fun in now because I'm pretty sure there's not much fun. Uh, An unfriendly man pursues selfish ends. He defies all sound judgment. When King Solomon talks about all sound judgment, he's got an insight into all sound judgment. So what is he talking about here? An unfriendly man pursues selfish ends. We were designed to be in relationship. We were designed to have friends, even friends with guys with dreadies. I am, I'm going to get past my problem with dreadies uh, and, and, and all, the inherent, all the inherent itchy things. You, you know, and may, <laughs> um, I wish I had dreadies. <laughs> I, do, I do. I do. Look at my guts. Don't you hate Greg for keeping his hair this long and this color? Don't you, Pete? <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, An unfriendly man, if you turn into somebody who doesn't want relationship, if you turn into somebody who shuns companionship, on some level you are being selfish because you are designed to be in relationship and you are defying all sound judgment because you are probably sad or hurt or bruised because of a lack of good relationship and so you conclude that if I get out of a relationship altogether, I will feel better. And that, 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 that presents as a reality in the short term, but in the long time, it defies all sound judgment. We are meant to have friends and be in fellowship. Uh, I'm not saying every now and then you, 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 you might need a break, but if you have a pathological tendency to be alone, it defies all sound judgment. Point number one, tick, done. Uh, Verse 2, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. 
Now that might be happening right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but often a big talker is proportionately a small listener and, and, and vice versa. Um, uh, some old Welsh guy told me that that's why we've got two ears and one mouth. So we can listen twice as much as we speak. That's the picture. But this is actually talking about someone who has no appetite for wisdom. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding. He, 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 he feels he's got all that he knows, all that he needs to ever have, and he just delights in uh, airing his own opinions. Um, they talk a lot, but they don't say anything worth listening to. And I've just made the point that we are designed to be in relationship, but those kind of people, it's wise to identify them and avoid them. They're just not going to, they're not, they're not going to give anything. They're just going to fill the atmosphere with hot air, yabba, 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 yabba. I wasn't speaking in tongues then. I was just, there was an illustration of them. I wonder if Fred Flintstone was a Pentecostal. <laughs> yabba, dabba, do. Yabba, dabba. Wilma, yabba, dabba, do. It's possible. It's possible. He could, have wrote, he could have written that Christmas carol. Deck the hall with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la. Oh, what an appropriate ver- yeah. um, verse. Six. Verse 6. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a fighter. And, uh, and anger comes out of me in a different way. Uh, I'm not a violent person. I won every fight I was in school by 500 meters, Andy. <laughs> That's a good way to win fights. But is Solomon has an insight into human, the human psyche. And he is telling us that a fool's lips bring him strife and his mouth invites a beating. He's saying that foolish talk makes other people angry. That other people who you get, you just get angry around. They, t- they talk about this. some people in work, and they say this stuff. And I find myself thinking, "Shut up!" I, I just, I just get cranky. And Solomon is not saying that that's peculiar to me or to you. He's saying this is a phenom. This is a phenomenon. When people talk stupid rubbish all the time, you tend to get angry and you want to punch them in the mouth. Their mouth is inviting a beating. Stupid talk excites anger. Why is everyone angry with me all the time? Is a question a fool isn't going to ask because of verse 2. He doesn't find any pleasure in understanding. He's just going, oh, everybody's angry with me. That means they are blah, 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 blah. Talk more, talk more. And more people will be angry with him. And his lips may get some, some treatment. So I want to avoid angering people by talking rubbish all the time. If I, if I can. Ah. Uh, it's frustrating because he doesn't, he doesn't need to become wise to stop angering people. He doesn't have to learn anything. He could just shut up. Surely even a fool could shut up. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> but, uh, he goes on to say in verse 7, A fool's mouth is his undoing and his lips are a snare to his soul. Now remember, he's talking about, this is Solomon. He's not just making this stuff up. This is a report from a wise, super wise individual who is telling us stuff that happens in the human 
in the human experience. And he says that his mouth is his undoing, his lips are a snare to his soul, to, his, to, to the spiritual part. I, I think the implication is if you've been saying foolish things for long enough, you start believing them. You start believing the stuff you say. I don't know if you've ever talked to a kid who, has, who thought that he saw, I don't know, a, a, a carrot walking, a, 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 a something, something that can't possibly be true. Um, but if they think it's true and they tell you, if they believe what they're saying, you can't, you can't change their mind. And if you've been talking rubbish long enough and you believe the rubbish that you're talking about, you tend to believe your own version of, uh, of the truth, and it becomes harder and harder to discern the truth. So your, truth, your soul food, that's, you know, in your soul, where you need to discern the truth. Uh, this is, so he's saying a consequence to talking rubbish all the time, a consequence to not being quiet every now and then and letting somebody wise pass something into your into your spirit, it will become a snare to your soul. I just find this stuff very interesting. We're not going to go through, through the whole chapter, by the way, but it gets to, a, gets to a good point for me to jump off and share my testimony at the moment. Verse 8. The words of a gossip, I know it says whisper in the American um, version, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's innermost part. I have a bit of difficulty talking about um, gossip. It angers me too. In fact, the older I get, the crankier I get, Andy. I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, I still feel like I haven't made that last, po- what's your name? Sean. Sean. <laughs> That's like a haircut. Sean. Come on, come on. Hey, is it really Sean? Or did you say that just to be funny? <laughs> Where did you get your dreadlocks, Sean? <laughs> You see, you see my problem? Welcome, Matt. Redlock, Sean. It's, you guys are doing this on purpose, aren't you? <laughs> um, that thing about believing your own version of events, it's so damaging to relationships. Husbands and wives, you, you, you with me? You know, when he says, oh, well, you, blah, 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 blah. And you didn't do that. So then you have to say, I didn't do that. So you're already defensive that if he doesn't have a tiny opening to suspect that his version of events is not the truth, you're stuffed. And, and that's really, really difficult. It's, it's so beneficial to engage in relationship with enough humility to suspect that your version of the truth may not actually be the truth. That is so helpful to, to own that. It's a, it's a blessing to walk into a conversation with that suspicion of yourself. I may not be getting this right. Such a, such a help. Um, but if you've been believing something for a long time, uh, I've got a, uh, a good, good friend of ours, uh, Graham Summerson. He's my best mate. Or he was last time I checked. Things could have changed. Maybe he's found somebody with nice black hair, or dreadies, or was clever at maths. Anyway, he's my, he's my mate. And uh, you, when you live near somebody, you don't tend to write them letters, you talk to them. 
Uh, but then they moved to New Zealand, and uh, I wrote him a letter, and he wrote me a letter back, and that was great, and he signed, uh, all the best, mate, Graham. G-R-A-E-M-E. -E. I thought, look at that. He spelled his name wrong. <laughs> For 15 years, I thought it was G-R-A-H-A-M. Graham. That's how you spell Graham. That's the truth. That's how you spell Graham. Anything else is wrong. Only an idiot would not spell his name that way. It's not even my name. But I had thought that for more than a decade. So when I came face to face with the guy whose name it was, my immediate thought, my tithe thought, because you know your tithe is the first thing, that's why we tithe, because if we give our first bit, we know the rest is his as well, as Greg has already mentioned. Forgot to breathe for a second then. But I saw Graham, and I assumed that he was wrong in the spelling of his own name. See, <laughs> so you're laughing, but you've probably done it with your partners 20 times if you've been married for longer than 20 minutes. <laughs> you know. Um, so if we can just possess that just enough humility to doubt our version of the truth, then maybe the sunrise of actual truth will rise over us and we can go, oh, that's so good. She didn't do that after all. I know I'm stressing this point, but I, for some reason I feel it's very important. Uh, and just, what, what did you call that thing with the apples? Uh, uh, an object lesson? Well, if you tell a funny story, I think that's similar to an object lesson. There was a guy, I heard this story. I heard this story, and he, um, he's at the airport, and his, his favorite thing at the airport, Greg, is uh, he gets a Kit Kat and a coffee, and he sits down, and he reads his paper, and uh, he's always got 10 or 15 minutes before he's boarding, and that's what he likes to do. So he's doing this, but he, um, he, he um, looks up from his paper, and there's a guy with dreadies, uh, a, a hippie-looking guy, and uh, he's opening the Kit Kat, and he's taking a stick of Kit Kat. And my friend, who is now he's morphed into a minister, going somewhere to preach, he's full of, he's indignant, and, but he's a Christian. He wants to be a good witness, so he doesn't say anything, but he grabs that Kit Kat, snaps a stick off very indignantly, and stuffs the whole stick in his mouth and chews it as if to say, uh-huh, eat my Kit Kat. And the hippie guy kind of brushes his dreadies aside. And uh, gives him a funny look, and then grabs the Kit Kat, has another piece. He grabs it, sticks it in his mouth, puts his paper down, doesn't finish his coffee, storms off to board the plane, puts his hand in his pocket to give the guy the boarding pass, and his Kit Kat is in his pocket. <laughs> and the moral is don't assume. Don't assume that your first thought is good. It could be stupid. <laughs> Just having that, having that as a possibility. You don't have to believe it's stupid. But if he'd have thought, it looks like he's eating my Kit Kat, I'm going to kill him. If he'd have thought, maybe it's not my Kit Kat. Or peace and joy would flow like a river. You're talking to your wife, you're talking to your husband, you're talking to your kids. Try and think from, oh, I can't, I can't talk about this too much right now, but try and think from their point of view, maybe that's not their reality. 
And what's the point of trying to teach them from the point of view of your reality if they, they're not even close to your reality? You have to somehow get it. That's why Jesus came and became one of us. So he, could, he, he, is, he, he is familiar with all our struggles. There is nothing common to man that he has not touched and known. So it, we become more Jesus-like when we include that tiny thought, maybe I'm not right. It's quite a, quite a conundrum to me that, that become, we become more Christ-like when we think that thought because he is always right. Um, and yet we are more Christ-like when we think like that. Any, anywho, good, I made the point. Gossip, deliberately saying something bad about someone else to make you feel better. That's a good definition of gossip. Because I can say something that is just for, um, uh, what's your name you told me? Brad. Brad. For Brad. So you're named after a small nail. Yeah. Do any of, any of you have regular names that, that, that don't mean something else? Um, Brad, okay, so I'll remember you, Brad. Um, so, Brad, you might know something about me that, that's doing me damage, and you go to Greg and you say, Greg, Vince has got a problem with alcohol or something. And uh, if you are saying that because you care about me, and you, that's not gossip, but if you are saying it because you're jealous of me, because I'm great, <laughs> and you feel, and you feel, lower than me, and you think, well, so Vince likes a drink, does he? Well, I'm going to expose that. I'm, if, you, if your motive is some kind of vendetta against me, or I can't get up to his greatness, his greatiosity, um, uh, so I'm going to bring him down to my whingiosity, my grumpiosity. Um, you writing this down? These are good words. Totally cromulent words. Uh, then it's the motive that, that, that dictates whether it's gossip or not. And there's something about the transaction. If you say it to Greg, and it's, it's got my, my health behind it, it will, it, will, it will benefit. But if it doesn't, it will, you know, if I say to you guys, Greg's always taking money from the offering. <laughs> oh, what a lovely response that is, Greg. I, I've said that at some churches, and then they've gone, really? <laughs> Obviously not Greg, the pastor of that church. <laughs> I thought so. The whole, the whole congregation stands up. I thought somebody said it. We've been thinking that for years. That's <laughs> 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 yes, gossip. If, if I'm so jealous of him that I can't move up, so I'll pull him down. But now, now that, now that you've said it to him, it's in his gut now as well. Oh, Vince drinks too much. You know, if it's, it, it goes down to a deep place. It's really hard to get rid of an accusation. And the Bible talks about bringing an accusation before elders. Think twice before you do it, because once it's out there, you can't, you can't get it back. And the, the one thing I would say about gossip is check why you are saying what you are saying. If you are ministering to yourself in saying it, look, I just want to tell you this so that you can pray for them, but I think he's committing adultery. Only, only you can, and gossip is a killer. What, what does he say? It, it, it just, it, it is toxic and it goes into other people's bellies. You are actually making other people sick when you are gossiping. Uh, verse 9, 
One who is slack in his work is a brother to one who destroys. Now, this fascinates me. Uh, slack in his work. Solomon got the temple built. He employed millions of tradespeople. He's overseen a lot of work. He was a phenomenal architect. He was above Michelangelo in his inventions. He, and he said, the one who is slack in his work is a brother to one who destroys. So just very quickly want to say that if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing properly, on some level you are, you are causing some kind of destruction. If I am slack as a father, I think it's not doing any harm. But if I'm slack as a father, I'm actually causing some destruction somewhere. I never thought of it like that before. I thought it was like a neutral act. I'm just not doing a good job. If I'm not doing a good job, I'm actually doing a bad job. That's what, that's what this says. One who is slack in his work, yeah, that'll be all right. That'll be okay. It will cost somebody and it will... He uses the word destruction. Destruction. Satan is the destroyer. So I, ju I just throw that out there. And, sorry, I just throw that out there. I said throw that out there, and that didn't make any sense. Uh, one who is slack in his work is a brother to one who destroys. Oh, and, and every now and then, Proverbs is punctuated. Like, all these things are great truths, but they're kind of dour. They're kind of stern. And then he punctuates these great truths with a great truth that is delicious just verse 10 the name of the lord is a strong tower the righteous run to it and are safe this is a very very wise man who has weighed up all the odds and the conclusion that he comes to is that the name of the lord is a strong tower it is he is his name his personality his character and when we run to it we don't walk to it we can, we can crawl to it, we can fall into it, we can trip over it. But when we run to it, when it's our, it's our express purpose to get there, when zeal is taking us to that place, then our body is agreeing with what our mind is saying. It'll be great to get there. It'll be good to get there. We will be safe there. Oh, yay, a positive one. Uh, to know, to have, to know that God is able and present and to move to him and know safety. Yay, safety. I shared my faith with a girl at work once. Um, and by shared my faith, I, I, I mean I just told her what I believe. And um, uh, she, she said she didn't believe in God, but she wants, I don't believe in God, but I want that. What you just described, that yay, that security, that certainty, that there is a place where you can go and feel restored and safe. Uh, I, I want that, but I don't believe in God. I thought that was a very, because uh, connectedness, we are designed to be connected. We said that in verse 1. So as I'm telling you my story, I feel I am connected. I feel connected with God. I feel like I'm safe when I, when I connect with him, when I'm there. And she, she, she didn't believe in God, but she coveted. She wanted that. Uh, and, uh, and in verse 11, Solomon says that, that wealthy people um, find that in a different place. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it's an unscalable wall. But we all know, you know, the GFC and all that, all that stuff. Rich people, they might feel secure, but, they, but they're not secure. But what he's saying here is that wealthy people, instead of trying to find security in the Lord who is a strong tower, they find a substitute for that. They imagine they found something that is equally as secure, but, but it's not. It's a, he's, not to, he's not saying there's anything wrong with being wealthy. He's saying there's something wrong with being wealthy if it is an alternative security. Uh, Verse, mm, uh, I, I'll just race on now to, to the last verse because I, uh, time's going. Verse 24. Verse 24. 
Um, this, was the, this, this was a song for me some 10, 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, I read it and it became, it became a song that I, that I still sing today. Yeah. Verse 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Brothers are pretty close, say. Hey? Your brother's always there for you. Your family is always there for you. And uh, it's great to have a load of friends. But sometimes, sometimes your friends are inadequate. Your companions can't do it. Your brother or your family, they, they can't help you. Sometimes it's your companions or your brother or your family that are causing you the distress that you're actually feeling. But there is one, he, he's friend and family combined. The, the song is called Bloodied Friend. Uh, because uh, it's reference to the way Jesus died. A lot of blood and a lot of pain. And of course, you're connected with your family through blood. So that's, that's the connection with family. We're all sons. But Jesus calls us friends. He says, I don't call you servants anymore. I choose to call you. Graham, Graham chooses me as a friend. That's, a, that's an honor he bestows on me. I'm so glad that he calls me his friend. If, if he was my brother, you know, if we come from the same mum, brother from the same mother yo just keeping it real down here in the hood <laughs> y'all <laughs> um, I don't I look at you I want to say what or what or a friend who sticks closer than a brother he's a friend by choice in John John 15 12 and, and 13 um, says friends can you go on to the next verse from that if you can't I'll, I'll, I'll just read, read it out well it says life for his friends that what, what, what he then goes on to say is you are my friends I call you friends not servants I call you friends so he's a friend by virtue of choice he chose he's, uh, he chose us and, uh, and he's closer than a brother he's beyond family there's blood in there and um that's the end of the theology. This is the this is the um, this is the testimony time, and it's a PG parental guidance recommended for this testimony time, because the G-rated testimonies are always the ones that you've come through. It's very safe to stand up and say, "I used to be a drug addict, but then I this and then I that, and then I something else, and now I'm not a drug addict anymore." But how captivating is it when a bloke stands up and says, "I am gripped." with the need for drugs at the moment. I'm, I, right now, I'm wondering where my next fix is going to come from. And then we can stay connected with that person until the end of that part of his testimony has been restored and healed. Uh, are we, are we on, the same, on the same page here? So, um, so if I didn't have that connection to someone who was closer to me than, than, than a friend or my family, I might have fallen over a couple of weeks ago when, Ra when Rosie ran away. He said, when Ronnie rose away. When Rosie ran away. Because uh, Lynn, my wife, well, it, it was like a punch in the guts for her. So she, she was unable to comfort me. She needed comfort. It, it spun me out completely. Rosie loves me. I know she does because I love her to pieces. And there's a resonance between us. She ran away. So I can't go to my, fa my, my family, my, my closest family, my wife, because she's, she's a mess. She's riddled with, with, with guilt and thoughts of what have I done wrong? Is it me? 
Did I this? Did I that? Did I? And, and, and I can echo all those thoughts as well. And I'm a mess. Can't go to my further family. My friends can't help me. They are inadequate to the task. They, they want to help. What can they do? What can you do when something like that happens? Other than say, you poor bugger. No, I'm sorry, mate. I'm, I'm sorry. Always reminds me of that verse in Psalms where, where it says, God holds our tears in his jar. You, you follow what that means? It's such good theology. It means that he doesn't save us. He doesn't take us out of the storm. He enables us and accompanies us when we are in the storm. And, and, then he, and, and he knows how much it's hurt. He, he has a measurement device, a measuring device, mathematics again. You know when that happened to you, Vince? That hurt you this much. And I know exactly how much it hurt you because I designed you to outlet sorrow and I used the outletting of your sorrow to gauge how much that hurt. So you weren't alone when you were going through that. I know exactly how much it hurt. That's pretty comforting stuff, isn't it? That's pretty... I don't feel that right now so much. But I suspect it. Yes, that's what I do. I suspect that that is the case. I'm very confused. I'm a bit hurt. I'm crying a bit. But I suspect that I'm not alone in it. I suspect that things are going to be good at the end of it. Um, I'm not such a fool. I'm just realizing this as I'm saying it. I'm not such a fool. I have to think, we've got a dead duck on our hands here. This is all over. Something, something's going to grow out of this. Anyway, Rosie, Rosie left the letter, uh, which Lily found. It was... Tea time, Lily is our youngest daughter. Lily fell up the stairs. She was that, ah, Rosie's run away, Rosie's run away. She fell up the stairs, which is quite a hard thing to pull off. You can fall down the stairs, she fell up the stairs. And uh, it's not what you expect, it's tea time. I was watching The Simpsons. <sighs> um, uh, I'm in this wave of, what? What? It's actually manna. Uh, the, the, the word manna, you know, you know the, the stuff that the Israelites were fed on, it means a whatness. They saw it and they think, what? what? That's true. I'm not making this up. That's what it means, a whatness. So, never seen this before. You eat it? it what? And I, I had this, I had a whatness come over. She's run away. I just had a chat with her. She just told me she needed, you know, we... So, uh just written down the bullet points here. We got the letter. I, I didn't know what to do. What, 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 would you, what would you have done? What would you have done, Craig? Somebody with a 16-year-old daughter, what, what, what would you have done? It's 6 o'clock, it's dark, and she's gone. What, what, what? I just had a suspicion that she might have been going down to Terrigal because that's where her friends live. And uh, So I got in the car, um, and uh, went down to Terrigal. And uh, I saw her. She was on, on our little bike. We got little foldy bikes that the kids use with tiny wheels. Basket on the front, full of stuff. Plastic bag hanging off the handlebars. Backpack on her back. And she just had her hair, which was down to here. She just had it razor cut uh, on one side. And she looked, she looked pretty good. But she looked determined. And it was dark. And I had some feelings that I never had before. And, and what do you do then, Greg? When you, what do you do? 
I saw, I'm, I'm in the car saying, God, what the hell? What? Good, I found her. What do I do now? Go and say, hello, Rosie, I found you. It's not hide and seek. <laughs> so I parked. I got out of the car, crossed, crossed the road. She was on the footpath. She saw me from about 50 meters away. I saw a bulk. She sort of stopped. I went, and she pedaled up to me. And, uh, and then it was easy because I just put my arms around her. And she put her arms around me. And we wet each other's neck. Like, just glad to smell her and kiss her. And uh, that was great because we didn't need any words. It was so interesting because that was a standalone moment. All this crap is happening. She's going through all this stuff. All this is true. It's all real. She is messed up. There's a, uh, but over here was a daughter who loves, loves her dad and a dad who loves a daughter. So that was like, oh, good. <gasps> but then what? What do, you, what do you do then? Stick to the script. I'll be here all day. Um, so I'll embrace my words. Um, what, what, what I said to her was, Rosie, you know you've been going through a real tough time over the last 12 months. And uh, I don't know how good a job I've, I've done as a dad to you over the last 12 months, or if anybody could do any good for you, or family, friends. All I know is that you are, you, you'd be crazy right now to trust your own judgment over my judgment. I think my judgment is actually more sound, more solid than yours right now. But I can't, I can't force my judgment on, on, onto you. I thought of it, because I'm, I'm still reasonably fit. I thought I could, I could, at a pinch, I could grab her ear and pull her in the car. I could physically have manhandled her home if the guys who were digging up the road opposite weren't watching. <laughs> I think, they, well, I hope they would have interfered with me a bit quick if they saw an old bloke like me trying to get a 16-year-old girl into his car. Um, but that's not how God operates, is it? Is there anything about God that makes you think that he would force you to your knees? That he would force you to, to love him? That he would force you? Unless you surrender into relationship with him. I didn't think theology was going to help me, Andy. It did. I thought, well, I've got to be godly here. So I'm not going to use my muscles. Um, I said, so, Rosie, this is what I think. But, honey, it's up to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go. As I said, it, I took a step back and it surprised me. I'm going to let you go and hope you come back. She said, Dad, I really think this is the best thing for me to do right now. And she went and I got back in my car and went home. Such a weird, such a weird feeling. I oh, 20 to 12. Um, she, uh, she didn't have any money. Um, she had her phone, but she didn't have any credit. On Wednesday, through our, our younger daughter, I sent her some money and some clothes. Um, I, I packed this little package together on the, Wednesday, on the Wednesday night. On the Thursday morning, we got a call from one of our friends saying, Rosie needs money to come to a party in Sydney with me on Friday. And I'd already put the money in, in the envelope. So what do I do? If I give her some money, she now has money to buy credit, which means she can contact me. If I don't give her the money, to stop her from going to that wicked place in Sydney, 
I also stopped her from being in touch with me. Can you understand how this is God's perspective? If he doesn't give us free choice, we are robots and we follow him, but he has to trust us with free choice. So I gave, him the, gave her the money, and God bless her, she, she, phoned, she phoned me back. Anyway, um, I missed that, I missed that, I missed that. After a week, she came home. It was great, very confusing to the kids who she came home to because she'd been naughty, but she got, but she got kind of hugged and rewarded. And then after a week that she had taken without my permission, I just had this brainwave, prompting of the Holy Spirit, good idea, lucky guess, mistake, I don't know what it was yet. And I said, how about you go up and stay with Tommy and Sarah, Sarah is his wife, up in Obar for a week. Because I want to give you a week, and maybe something good will come out of that, rather than the week you've taken. To my, to my delight, she said yes, and immediately after church, I'm going up to pick her up. And uh, I would value your prayers. I haven't told this story to anybody else. By the way, I checked with her about sharing this story. And, uh, and I'll come back to preach or, or something in three or four months' time. Providing I haven't gone so far over time that Greg never wants me back again. Plus, I exposed that thing about the offering. You know, make fun of his hair. Uh, so, let me, I'm down to here. Let me conclude with this bit. Down to here, guys. Hey, Pete. Listen, there is great benefit in good fellowship. There's great wisdom in this book. You have a God-given compass. In your biology, you have a God-given compass, and then when the Holy Spirit connects with that, it's, it's, it's alive, it's something else again. And you find him, or you find it, by shutting up and getting still. And you could, you could possibly ask these three questions. God, who is the real you? What is the real you? I really want to know you. God, who am I? What am I before you? And the third question could be, God, how should I be right now before you? Anyway, praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.